Hello and welcome back to Top 5 Disco. I'm Josh. I am Adam. And wow, I have missed this. Yeah. It has been a long time. They said we wouldn't be back. How long? But we're back. I think it, it actually, from when we're recording it right now, which is two weeks into January, I believe it's like exactly, almost exactly three years. It's almost three years. So yeah. a little less because March of 2020 is when we recorded our last podcast. Right. Right before the world completely fell apart. Yep. Um, and actually, that podcast is yet to be released, which we'll get to in a second. Mm-hmm. But uh, for those who are new to the podcast or returning fans, just a reminder of what Top 5 Disco is, is Adam and I here, my brother, we go through an artist discography, album by album, song by song, dissecting everything about the songs, the lyrics, the overall je ne sais quoi about the <laughs> albums. Um We've done this for a bunch of artists, but we also have been doing or had been doing these year-end retrospectives where instead of covering one artist, we actually cover the year. So today and over the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about the year 2022, musically speaking. We're going to talk about our favorite concerts of the year, our favorite songs of the year, and our favorite albums of the year. And again, a little asterisk, the favorite songs of the year will be songs not on our favorite albums, so that we can showcase more of the music that we fell in love exactly, with this year. Exactly, exactly. So top five songs, not on our top five albums, but just to cover more ground, if you will. Yep. Um, yeah, like I said, the last episode that we recorded, we actually haven't released yet, which <laughs> was an addendum episode to our first artist ever, Coldplay, um, their 2019 album, Everyday Life, which honestly, I think is one of their best albums like their best in 10 years so interesting hopefully <laughs> I, I don't i don't even remember what i said I know, on the we recorded episode. it so long ago but since then i mean we've got a lot more oh that we can tack on to I other know. episodes. actually i think every single no not motion city well motion city has justin pierre solo stuff true but yes coldplay have released two albums since we recorded their deep dive um justin courtney pierre the lead singer songwriter of motion city soundtrack has released an album multiple eps brandy carlisle has another album out yep. Counting Crows had uh, an amazing record put out in 2021, which was kind of an EP, but yeah. I considered it an album. Fair enough. Um, and then Weezer, oh where do we God. even begin? <laughs> Weezer put out two more albums and four more EPs since our Weezer discography. And so. admittedly, I think it would be just when we go back to Weezer yes. to also give Black Album Another more shake. of a fair shake than we did it's true. 14 episodes we had, in. I know. That was, that was a marathon, and we recorded our thoughts about the Black Album just as it had dropped. We had only listened to it a few times, so yeah, yeah to give it a fair shake. But anyway, back to the task at hand. Um, for our first episode here, we're going to talk about our top five favorite concerts of 2022. But that being said, we haven't been at our little podcasting chairs in a while here, yep. and we have to catch up a little bit on uh, the last couple years in music. Um, and so we thought we would just briefly talk about our favorite shows of 2020 and 2021. Now, as most of you are probably thinking, <laughs> were there concerts in 2020, 2020, yeah, 2021? <laughs> so first, let's talk about the year 2020. So sure. I don't know how many shows you saw. I saw three. Okay, I saw two. Yeah, One of those was together. Um Motion City soundtrack? Yes. Yes. So I saw a very good show and maybe one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my life. What else did you see? In 2020. So yeah, so the first one was Motion City soundtrack at Webster Hall uh, on January 8th in 2020. Um, Trying to remember, like, 
I just remember it being a fantastic concert. I think that was that the first one since Tony had been back that I had seen after their. I, th- I think you're right. After, after their like goodbye with was, which tour. was with Claudio. Yeah, the goodbye was with Claudio. I'm pretty sure. Mm, actually, I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Actually, I think that was with Tony. Na- I don't know. <laughs> anyway, regardless. it was an amazing show. Obviously, we love Motion City Soundtrack. We did an entire podcast series on them. Go listen. Uh, so that was very exciting. But yeah, then February thirteenth. I saw OK Kaya uh, at National Sawdust, and man, uh, maybe I'll you know maybe I'll talk a little more about the OK Kaya album that say, came I out in twenty twenty, uh, which I really enjoyed. But it's like I don't want to put down someone that clearly has major anxiety, um, but for a great show, it did not and, make. Very much so. It was, you know, you and I talk about sometimes, and we will very likely later in this episode talk about uh, bands and artists that you feel so comfortable with. You just know they're going to be flawless. They're Mm going to put on an amazing show. You don't have to worry about whatever. Where they're at. Their intonation or how confident they are or that you're going to get an amazing show. Maybe something that sounds just like they are on record, etc. Anyway. Okay, Kaya. I, I actually, I don't know if her name's Kaya. I don't really remember <laughs> what her real name is, um, not her moniker, but she is the opposite of that. She was so uncomfortable. I don't know if this was the first time she had performed in a long time. Admittedly, this album is about like her being in a psychiatric ward. Like mm-hmm. she definitely, you know, has some stuff going on. Um, And there were a lot of people, maybe friends of hers in the audience, that were very uh, supportive of her. Like when she would just be very timid singing something. It was very clear. But it was so, it was like you were watching like a middle school talent show where someone was, (laughs) I know, I know. It was really, (laughs) it was really uncomfortable um, and unfortunate. Especially, again, especially for an album that I really enjoyed. But anyway, those were my two 2020. And then the world shut down. Yes, and then the world shut down. So yeah, I only saw a few shows uh, before, you know, March 2020 hit. That was the Motion City Soundtrack show. I saw the Pine Grove record release show for Marigold uh, up in Woodstock. I saw that with uh, my wife, Erin, and Dina and Steve, and we... By the way, can we talk about his wife, Erin? I know, I know. It's it's been a while. In the the last last podcast. In the last three years, things have happened. (laughs) Yes, But you all remember Erin from the Motion City Soundtrack. uh, Our special guest. Episode. So yeah, we saw this incredible... Base, I think it was the record release show for Marigold, which is an album I absolutely love and will mm-hmm. also briefly touch on. Um, and then I saw, Aaron and I also saw this great jazz trio in New York, Fred Hirsch trio. Um, and then, yeah, concerts disappeared for a year and a half for us about. So because of that, we can't really do a top five 2020 concerts. Yeah. And we just, Adam and I just mentioned the shows we did see. But I did want to give special mention because... 2020 was a very weird year for all of us, and um, the music world adapted in some ways, and especially in terms of live streams. Yep. So in 2020, live streams were kind of the new norm for musicians, not only just trying to get through the days, but also sometimes to make money off of, or just to sort of replicate in some small way what a concert experience was, and none of them really could. We don't have to linger on this but obviously you know so so many people so many industries were so greatly affected yeah. by this pandemic um it it hurt musicians oh so much because again these days everyone makes money off of 
performing right performing no live. one's making money on records so yeah just to what you were saying about even just trying to make some money and to give people just something to be excited about which for you i believe it very much absolutely did. and that's why so i made a, a quick little top five of my top five favorite live streaming artists which really got me through 2020 yeah like i would watch these religiously when they either they'd come out every week or every day even so i just want to briefly touch on my number five uh favorite live stream of 2020 i kind of cheated and combined both Stephen Page and Ed Robertson, um, the lead singer songwriters of Bare Naked Ladies individually, they're no longer both in the band anymore. Um, Ed is, Steve isn't. Um, They both individually did their own live streams where they would just, them and acoustic guitar essentially go through not just the hits, but the obscure songs, the songs they haven't played in decades. Like it was, and hearing them talk about the songs, the songwriting process, it brought me back to Bare Naked Ladies did a podcast themselves yeah. in the recording of um, Bare Naked Ladies Are Me and Men. It just, it gave me so much joy. I mean, <laughs> friends of the podcast, friends of, <laughs> of me know that I am a Bare Naked Ladies diehard, one of yep. the best, most unsung bands ever, regardless of their. Uh, stature Goofy. in the world of music yeah um but anyway Stephen page ed robertson amazing live streams number four uh rufus wainwright who i got i was already a fan of but honestly watching his live streams he did one every day he did one song a day so instead of doing like a concert every week every day he would perform one song from his catalog and it got me so deep into his discography D- were you there every day for it every day uh, again i don't i don't know if i literally watched them as they were streamed versus watching them Got after they were recorded okay. but you and posted but i watched every single one yeah. and he he played almost every song i mean there were songs that he couldn't do solo um i mean rufus wainwright has such an unbelievable voice mm-hmm. and so unique in the field of music because he combines like very baroque and chamber pop aesthetics with he has a background in opera. Yep. He's also obviously amazing singer songwriter in the pop and rock field. He's just incredible artist and musician. Number three. It was just very quickly. Oh yeah. Is that, did, I don't know if you just said this and I missed it. Is that what, are those live streams? What got you heavily yes. into Rufus? Yes, exactly. Which I know now I know him as one of your many. Favorites. Yes, absolutely. So if 2020 gave us anything or gave me anything, <laughs> it was a deeper appreciation of Rufus Wainwright. Also, he was doing these, always in like a bathrobe in his beautiful <laughs> home and he's got about all right. these crazy knickknacks and artwork everywhere. It was very mm-hmm. cool to see him in his home. Uh, number three is David Wax Museum, who's a band I don't, I feel like I haven't really often talked about because yeah. admittedly, I don't think their records are as great as their unbelievable live show. Is it possible that in one of our past retrospectives, you mentioned one of their live shows? It's possible. It's possible because they always put on incredible shows, whether, whether they're in with a full band or it's just the two of them, they also very often play house shows, which are so intimate. You're literally in someone's living room and the two of them are playing unbelievable music. They're a husband and wife duo. Oh, I didn't know that. Who now over the years have built a family and they bring their kids on tour with them. And oh my wow, God, it's, so they're cool. such an amazing band. And David Wax Museum every week or maybe it was twice a week put on these hour long shows. And there's just something so homey and wonderful about seeing this couple who are an amazing pair of people, both as a couple and as musicians. Um, It was, again, just such a comfort to see them every week, twice a week, watching them play. And again, they played in their attic. Yeah, it's always special to see, I think, like couples perform. It adds a little fun dynamic, but especially during like these quarantine times when it's like you need your partner and you're with your partner 
And it, I don't know, again, well, that's the thing. Extra you'll element. hear with the rest of my live streams, these are all solo acts yeah. because everyone's isolated, right, right. but they're isolated together because yeah. they're married. So that's a great point that you actually, this is one of the bands I got to watch perform live yeah. in 2020. Uh, number two, holy shit, is Low Cut Connie. Low Cut Connie and Adam Weiner, who's the lead singer songwriter, he's just an un believable frontman like like they do not make anymore in the vein of the 50s elvis jerry lee lewis like he is a crazy piano madman and yeah like lit- stand on the, oh God, the he jumps on his piano and tears his clothes off every <laughs> performance but not not in a way that i find too lame or performative like he's just so in it and like so rock and roll was he doing the exact same thing uh on the live streams was he also just like jumping on the oh, piano yeah. ripping his shirt off? absolutely <laughs> and eventually as covid kind of progressed and he brought his guitarist in but the, for the first i don't know 30 shows it was just him and the piano but what's also amazing not only are their songs incredible and he was playing all through their discography every episode of this podcast of this excuse me of this live stream <laughs> he would pull out like five to ten covers right that's this guy has yeah, an encyclopedic knowledge of music mm-hmm. and he's not even looking at the piano he just knows so much music and every episode was like a joy not just to hear their music which is great and i love but to hear him cover so many different artists of different eras from the 50s and the 40s even to 60s 70s 80s 90s today um it was just such a joy every time to tune in and not know what he's going to play next and always yeah. tell stories. And yeah. it's just unbelievable um, frontman Adam, but also the band itself, Loka Kani, and the guitarist was it was great when he came in. And then the number one live stream, which I think, I don't think I'd be alone in because in some ways I feel like he started it, was Ben Gibbard mm. of Death Cab for Cutie. I don't know why. I felt like he kind of created the benchmark for what a COVID 2020 live stream was. Every week... He would basically pick out random songs from a discography, tell stories about them, do a Q&A with the people who were watching in real time. And he would, and it was always a fundraiser for local nice. Seattle um, charities and such. It was, it was amazing. And again, something about the way he talks and sings and his music is so comforting. And yep. so his was once a week and it was, I just looked forward every week. And it was an entire like set list. Entire set list. Yeah. It was like an hour every time. And he played through so many, not just, not just his, his more current popular stuff, but his old stuff that people really don't talk about. Or he did he do postal with. service as well? He did some I'm postal assuming? service and he did some solo stuff and mm-hmm. all time quarterback. Like he's got a lot of different Does he side have projects. solo stuff. He's got one solo. I didn't uh, know that. He's got one solo album in 2012. Is Postal Service him and someone else? Yes. Uh, I'm forgetting his name, okay. but the electronic artist. Um, Dintel, D-N-T-E-L. Um, anyway. Yeah, Ben Gerbert set the standard high for live streams in 2020. Loved watching him every week. And I even bought like a poster of his live streams, what? which hangs in my apartment. I didn't know that. Yeah. Maybe I, I've seen I actually have a, a live stream poster from Low Cut Connie too, so clearly these meant a lot to me. That's so cool. So yeah, I just wanted to shout out those amazing artists who really got me through a tough year and I'm sure got through a lot of people um, through that year as well. 2020 yep. was rough. And again, after February, neither of us saw concerts for God knows how long. So I want to now transition yeah, for to... For me, it was from February 13th, 2020 to August, August 4th, right? 2021. Right, when we saw Beach Bunny. Which is right? insane to think about. Yeah. Both Josh it was, and I see a lot of live music. It's obviously a favorite pastime. It's a cathartic experience yeah, and to well, not have that especially during this you know 
crazy life-changing event. I mean, obviously Josh is basically telling you, uh, the type of live music he was able to experience, um, live, it wasn't the same. Yeah, of course not. Of Of course course not. not. And yeah, I feel like, you know, on our podcast here, we, we often talk about albums and songs and recorded music, but live music is such an integral part of our love of music and how we experience it in the world. And to see songs that we've loved or didn't like on record come to life on stage and to always quibble about set lists Mm -hmm. and and, an artist going through picking out songs. It's just such a big part of our lives. So to literally have that gone for, I calculated 16 months, 16 months, we see multiple shows sometimes a week. Mm -hmm. Um, so now let's move on quickly to 2021. Yeah. Adam and I, we're not going to talk too long about these, but no. just quickly, uh, top five. Maybe we'll just individu- individually do it so we don't have to go back okay. and forth. Um, Here, our you, top five concerts of 2021. You just spoke a lot. Yes, so let me <laughs> yes, go ahead. So Adam, uh, So my number five, unfortunately, you weren't able to make it for this, but oh, it was no. December 13th, 2021. Laura Marling at Brooklyn uh, Made. <laughs> I had seen Laura Marling with you a few years before that at uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn Steel, Steel, which was great. This was just her and a guitar. And this was songs for our daughter. Yes, tour, right? it was after that album, album came out. Um, I loved it actually a lot more than Semper Femina. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fantastic, beautiful, intimate. Um, at the end, she played like a song that I don't think she recorded or will ever play again. She mentioned something like that. It was just this random one-off where she said, fuck a lot. It was very weird, very out of character, but, <laughs> but very fun. Yeah, it was very good. Uh, number four for me was November 13th, 2021. It was Iron and Wine at the Bethel Wood Center for the Arts. That was a great show. Um, we saw Iron and Wine also at Brooklyn Steel a few years earlier than that. That was awful. Um, I wouldn't say it was awful. For the, for the audience. The, the audience was awful, yeah. yes. Um, but this was, again, just him and his guitar. Extremely intimate. Uh, I just love Sam Beam. And again, because it was in that setting, the audience was fantastic. So very nice. Uh, number three for me was September 9th, 2021, when I saw Dr. Dog at Whoa. Rooftop at Pier 17. And was this part of their final tour? Yes, yeah. it was. Um yeah, a mutual friend of ours has sent us a bunch of Dr. Dog yes. dog songs over the years. And every time I heard this him, I'm Michelle. like, yes, yeah. uh, shout Michelle. out to Michelle. Um, every time I heard a Dr. Dog song, I'm like, this is really good. And I've never checked out a full album of theirs, admittedly. But I heard even that- Even still. Even still, yeah. I heard that this tour was happening. Uh, my friend Sam, shout out to Sam, um, really enjoyed the band Bowerbirds. I don't know, it's a band that he- uh, discovered yeah, heard of them never, never yeah heard them. they were opening for dr dog so he was just like you want to come see this show and i'm like yeah and and uh sorry if you heard that that was my um <laughs> apartment living <laughs> my apartment doorbell thing so hopefully that's just for some package that someone else will get um they are just a fantastic live band my number two concert of 2021 uh occurred on november 12th at bowery ballroom and it was wolf alice <sighs> Um, a band that you have gotten me into over the years, put on a fantastic live show. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say. Just an amazing kind of blend of hard rock, dreamy, shoegaze, yeah. like everything. They're amazing. And again, it just translated so well live. She's and, also an incredible front woman. Yes, absolutely. Just absolutely great. And the whole band. I remember yeah. like the guitar player for some reason the, you're always well, attracted no, to. I, yeah, every time I see them, I feel like they're such a band it's hard to explain there's something so theatrical is not the word but like the guitarist is like i am the fucking guitarist there's something about the band that Uh feels so archetypal in a way Mm -hmm. that i love 
Yeah, totally. Uh, and my number one concert of 2021 was Japanese Breakfast at Whoa. Brooklyn Steel on October 17th. And also Charlie Bliss, who we talked about on the podcast a bunch, opened up for oh, her. Oh, that's right. Um, Japanese Breakfast is Michelle Zahner. Uh, I really fell in love with her album in 2021. And live, she just had this whole production on stage. She sounds great live. I mean, every song on that album is like, uh, you know, I've said this, I think, about I, I, the Bon Iver album in 2019, but every song on her album is like a different little flavor in a candy box. Mm. And yeah, uh, live, it just it just translated so well. I don't know. It was fantastic. I was just there by myself, which I don't often go to concerts by oh. myself, but it was a very nice kind of solo experience. Um, yeah. So that was 21, awesome. 2021 for me. So I just had to quickly shout out, maybe I said it before. This is not on my list, but I wanted to shout out the Beach Bunny show because that was the first show we yes. went to. Oh, I do have a few honorable mentions. Oh, okay. That, that was my, I was just going to mention that because, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just saying the first <laughs> indoor show in 16 months. Exactly. I mean, I'm it was very a, It was a great show and it was like very emotional being there. It was still a little weird. Everyone was in masks and it was like, yeah. it was not perfect, but it was. Yeah, it was, I wouldn't say it was like the most amazing show ever. No, I would love to see them again. That's why I, I really to, love Beach Bunny. Yeah. Um, but I am very curious for anyone who, does write into the podcast or would <laughs> like to <laughs> uh, let us know what your first show back was. That's a great that is, point. And your last show. I'm very curious to know what yep. the last thing you, you experienced live was before um, COVID really uh, hit the fan. Yeah. And the first one when uh, things got a little more calm. Yeah. So beach bunny, that was, that will, I'll always remember that show yeah. despite it, you know, maybe not being a top five. Sure. So my number five actually is Wolf Alice at Bowery nice. Ballroom that Adam and I saw together. Just unbelievable show. I've seen them now every tour. They've only put out three records. Each record is fantastic. And what's interesting about Wolf Alice, I don't know if this is, how do I say this? Basically the first time I saw them was at Irving Plaza. Then the next time was at Brooklyn Steel getting bigger and bigger. Yep. And then this show is at Bowery Ballroom, way smaller, more intimate, yep. which was so special. I thought I was going to be like, right, I'm going to see them in Terminal 5 now. Mm-hmm. And something about seeing them at Bowery Ballroom, it was the best show yeah, of all. They just, just because they fill, because it's a much smaller space yeah. than what you just said. I mean, they, Bowery, they fill it. And Bowery is like not, my Not in terms of people, sound-wise. It just like, it yeah. just is such a full experience. It was a great, it was a great, uh, great show. Number four, I feel like this band should be on my list every year is The Lone Bellow at Webster mm. Hall that Aaron and I saw together. The, the Lone Bellow was like our band and we try to see them every time we can. And every time I tell Adam, please come. The because, most, uh, uh, not requested, recommended yeah, yes. live show because every even time. if you have not gotten as as much into their recorded music, which can go kind of between like folky, acoustic folk rock and soul, but also like a Fleetwood Mac kind of rock, their live show is just unbelievable. They're three-part harmonies. They're every one of them has an incredible voice. Just every time I'm at a Lone Bellow show, I'm I'm so I'm just so happy to be alive. Yeah. And I'm also like, Adam should be here because he <laughs> would love this. Yeah. Okay, number three um, was actually Bob Dylan at the Capitol Theater that forgot, I saw with our friend Tom. Um friend of the show, uh, who's on our Connie Crows episode. Um Bob Dylan, I mean I'm not going to sit here and talk about Bob Dylan. I could spend, you know, 10 years. Could you? But, yeah, probably. <laughs> Bob Dylan, this show, I'd never seen him live, and I'd always heard that he was bad. Yeah. Like, just, like, couldn't sing anymore. He put out a record in um, 2020 that was amazing. That like, I, I absolutely loved Rough and Rowdy Ways. And this show was so 
cool. I mean, he does not give a fuck, <laughs> which I so respect. He didn't play a single hit. hit. Yeah. Not one. Not one. Not even anything that could be resembling a hit for Bob Dylan. And the songs he played weren't even on his albums. Like, he played bootleg shit. He played whatever he wanted. And was in the addition, audience... Wait, sorry. Where, where was he? Where was the show? This is at the Capitol Theater up in Portchester, New York. It was like a beautiful Large. theater. It's mid-sized did it seem like i mean this is bob dylan i'm sure a lot of these people maybe have never seen him before I a lot of them sure are diehards. a lot of people were pissed but it didn't come off that way no i couldn't i was up in the front with like the hardcore oh, cool. fans and again i know his 60s output really well and this 2020 album yeah. i don't know anything in between and i barely knew the other songs out like he played a bunch of the new album which was amazing i barely knew uh the other songs and it didn't matter he was just so cool his voice sounded great the yep. band sounded great okay i shouldn't be talking this long but bob dylan it was such a treat it was so unexpected because i thought it was going to be bad because everyone was telling me how bad he was live recently mm. he was amazing on that note of kind of seeing legends my number two uh show was seeing billy joel for the first time at madison square garden right I and i saw that. that with my wife erin and also our parents mm-hmm. who i took them to see um what what a treat billy joel still has it as unbelievable catalog not just of his hits but his deeper cuts like billy joel is amazing and still has it and he plays every month at madison square garden you need to see him at some point i, would, I do i would go again billy joel is an interesting case because he's someone that i think just kind of recognized after a certain point he's like i don't want to keep writing music i've got this catalog yep. of hits that well, ne- I mean, I don't really know his full catalog, but it's almost like it'll never be tainted. I mean, there are so many artists that are like legends like that that keep writing music, and a lot of it just doesn't sound as yes, good. Yes, or you could be Bob Dylan and put out a great record in uh, 2020. For sure. you but, know, but I, I know a spectrum. What you mean. Absolutely. But, uh, and he, yeah. Um, and also, you had mentioned to me that you don't often see like our mother um just like yes jump up i was not there for this concert but you definitely relate to me seeing mom rock out at a yeah show she knew all the lyrics so heartwarming and just it was the best yeah we don't often see her in that scenario um there's a bunch of shows that we've seen like with dad and you know we we did see bruce springsteen with mom and dad but i mean uh, that was so long right anyway so yeah i just wanted to totally To, to share that with our parents who introduced us to billy joel like this is an artist that they brought to us versus us bring to them it was it was it was a great show. Like I, I have like no notes. They played so many, so many great songs. Yep. And the band was killer. And he sounded good. He sounded great. It's amazing. He sounded great vocally. His piano playing was amazing. Okay, number one show. I will try to stop myself from talking too long. Was seeing Bruce Springsteen on Broadway at the St. Oh, James Theater because I right. finally bit the bullet and spent way too much money <laughs> to see Bruce Springsteen on Broadway. And similarly, I'd seen Bruce Springsteen before with you and the family over ten years ago. Yeah. But it's have since become like a mega fan, um, thanks to our friend Tom as well, who's seen him a billion times. Um, Tom and I went, um, this was like, I'm trying to think, it was the first, because he did a, a stint of this Broadway show and then like left for a year or two. And then as this was, this was my, this was my actual first show. This is actually before Beach Bunny, but it was like a Broadway show. My oh, first show back. Really? In June. Oh. Um, oh. It was crazy. People were like picketing outside. It was wild. Um, picketing? Is that what like you mean? Anti-vax. I don't know because it, oh, it was like okay. vaccination required. <laughs> um, it was it was an unbelievable show. And again, Springsteen is now in his seventies, and he. I think we literally the show we that we saw with mom and dad was, was like his sixtieth birthday, right, two thousand nine right? or something like that. So it was it was unreal how good he sounded vocally, guitar wise, the songs. It was, wanna, ju- it was just him, just him and an instrument solo, right? Solo and it's piano kind of, and guitar, sometimes? piano and guitar. Yeah. Yep, 
and it's kind of like a play like he's got these uh, monologues about yeah. his life and anyway don't want to dwell on it too long but unbelievable to see bruce springsteen in an intimate broadway theater so those are my top five cool all right now let's get to the task at hand now that adam and i have gone through and recapped our 2020 2021 uh, live music experiences and live streams let's talk about the year at hand 2022 which is the first year in a few years where we had a full year full of year. shows I, I, like back at it yeah i like, I, I don't i i think i you know, calculated how many shows. I don't remember how many it was, but yeah, it felt like a, a year before COVID. Totally. This is back to my 2018, 2019 self of like 40, 50 shows or something yeah. crazy. Um, amazing year for music, live music. Um, let's talk about some of these shows. Yeah, hit a lot of bands I'd never seen before. Oh, yeah. A lot of legends we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, why don't you start with your number five? Okay, my number five show was seeing Glenn Hansard and Marketa Irglova, uh, aka The Swell Season, right. uh, at the Beacon Theater. Wow, are they the ones who together do once? Exactly, we'll talk about Amazing. it. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number five concert of 2022 was Nico Case, seeing oh, her amazing. at White Eagle Hall on September 6th. Incredible. I don't know how you react to this. Uh, my number four show was seeing Paul McCartney at MetLife Stadium in I, New Jersey. I have nothing nothing bad to say about it. That's amazing. I mean, Oh, I don't know if you thought it would be too low or something. Oh, Oh, well, maybe I just gave away. <laughs> no. I, yeah, uh, we will definitely talk about that. Um, my number four concert of 2022 was seeing Churches at oh, Brooklyn yes. Mirage uh, on August awesome 3rd. show. My number three show uh, I also saw with Adam was seeing The Weather Station at the Music Hall of Williamsburg. Very nice. Uh, my number three concert of 2022 was seeing Red Hot Chili Peppers Ooh. along with The Strokes and Thundercat. Uh, at MetLife Stadium on August 17th with Josh. Two MetLife shows. My number two uh, favorite show of the year uh, we also saw together was seeing Madison Cunningham at the Brooklyn Bowl in Nashville. My number two concert of 2022 was also seeing Madison Cunningham at Brooklyn Bowl uh, in Nashville on October 15th. And my number one show of 2022, I don't know if you'd guess this, uh, but was seeing Rage Against the Machine at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. The reunion show. Holy shit. Because this is your I first time ever, right? Ever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you definitely recapped it for me, but I don't remember, so yeah. I'm excited Can't to hear to again about it. that. Uh, my number one is actually one that you already mentioned. Uh, it was seeing the weather station at Music Hall of Williamsburg yeah. on April 26th. I remember just coming away from that being like, that was one of the best yep. shows we've ever experienced. I remember you saying that. Wow. So Paul McCartney was not on your top five shows. No. That is interesting definitely honorable mention definitely yeah we'll definitely talk about it and i have tons of honorable mentions why don't we should we talk about the honorable mentions now or after uh after okay okay let's get things started off with my number five favorite concert of 2022 nico case at white eagle hall those who can So I had seen Nico Case only one time before, maybe in 2018. Yeah, that uh, yeah. Was at the it was at the Beacon Theater. Yeah. Um, I wasn't in love with that concert, and I'm trying to remember why. You didn't love the sound. The sound was a big part. You didn't love the set list. 
Yeah. And you didn't love the new record. <laughs> that's, I guess, maybe that's why. But, um, yeah, and also maybe the distance. I mean, that doesn't always affect things, but we were, we were in the further mezzanine. away. Yeah. yeah. So, again, all three of those things. The sound, the set list, the distance. I mean, those are important. Yeah. Unlike White Eagle, <laughs> this was a big beacon 3,000-person show. Exactly. At White Eagle Hall. At very White intimate. Eagle. It, exactly. You took the words out of my mouth. Very intimate performance. Um, I mean, Nico Case is just... She is simply my favorite. She has my favorite female voice mm. in music in general. Yeah, she's she holds such a special place um, in my heart. Such a rich voice. A rich voice. She's so quirky. She's so uh, unique. Her voice is so unique. Her music is so evocative. Mm. Um, she just had a fantastic band with her. I remember the guitarist was impeccable. Mm-hmm. All of these parts from these songs that we love, he was just nailing. Also, uh, the set list was fantastic. It was. It was. We got This Tornado Loves You, Calling Cards, Margaret versus Pauline, Vengeance, Star Witness, I'm Which an Animal. she doesn't play very often. I don't think it was the first time I'd seen her here play that. Yeah, I remember. I don't remember if I, was, if I said this to you uh, during the show or after, but... The set she played so many songs that to me are indicative of her best sound because mm. very early on she's got stuff that doesn't translate to me as much the more um, country stuff yeah and then most recently as Josh mentioned um, what's it called I was gonna say Hell on Hell on I was gonna say Heart on uh, <laughs> yes the, her album Hell on um, just has a different vibe uh, literally in the production of the album not my favorite um, but again to see something so intimate all these songs that are like some of my favorites in general, like in, in music and very much of hers uh, was so exciting. Um, all, all five of my top uh, shows I saw with you, Josh, which wow. is very exciting. So special. Um, I also heard the song Oh Shadowless for the first time, which she, I don't know why she did this necessarily, but uh, in April, I believe of 2022 of this, of last year, we're recording this in 2023, uh, in April of 2022, she put out basically like a greatest hits yes, which record. Nobody does anymore. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's like, I love her obviously, but are, are you that type of artist to put that out? Anyway. Um, she wants to look back at the retrospective sure, of her favorite okay, songs. Fair enough. Uh, I don't remember if it's like the last song on the album, but it is this song that she, uh, wrote and recorded more recently called Oh Shadowless, which to me still harkens back to the sound of hers that I really like compared to Hell On. The production on her voice is very comparable to like the uh, Fox Confessor stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, She's so quirky and and earthy, crunchy. She's so... She's a joy to... to, She's so fun to watch. To watch, to listen to, just like banter and talk about random shit. Also, I follow her on Instagram. (laughs) She's very, uh, very entertaining. Very... very, um, I don't know. Yeah. Just fun to experience. Uh, and also this show just got me back into mm. a major Nico case phase, which I always love when shows do that. Totally. And, and it doesn't always happen. And this was right before literally days before I flew to, uh, Banff national oh. park for my friend Alex's, uh, wedding. Shout out to Alex and Katie who got married, uh, in September. And I had time there to just like go hiking in these mountains. Mm. And I was listening to Nico case, and it was, yeah, I just like, I combined that entire week together and it was just such a, such a great moment. All right. So I'm going to talk about my number five uh, concert of 2022, which was seeing Glenn Hansard and Marketa Irglova uh, with my wife, Erin, at the Beacon Theater in New York City on St. Patrick's Day. Oh 
So I mentioned we saw this at St. Patrick's Day because Aaron and I try to always do something Irishy on St. Patrick's Day. That's not like the stereotypical and bastardized just people going out and drinking, which is because Aaron ridic- is Irish. Yes, that should be said. <laughs> Definitely. Not just yes, we want right. to celebrate uh, her heritage and not in a way that's just been completely bastardized by right. mainstream culture. Anyway, so we try to do some uh, more interesting things, and this year. We got to see this unbelievable show. Glenn Hansard is an Irish uh, musician. And for those who don't know those names, Glenn Hansard and Marquetta Irglova, they're the duo who are also known as the Swell Season and who are also the main characters, forces, musicians in the movie Once from 2006 or 2007. The two of them act in the movie? It's a it's a it's a I, film. I need to see this. You do because you've to see also this movie. you've sent me a couple Swell Season songs. I don't even know if I appreciate oh that it was the same it's, two people. Yeah, it's an unbelievable movie. It's very understated, but the it's basically about two musicians right. in in Dublin, I think, who find each other and start writing music together and create this relationship. Which kind of Marquetta m- sounds Russian. She's Czech, I believe. Okay, um, but it's about them sort of writing music together, falling in and out of love, which kind of mirrors their actual real life history, which is very special. Um, this was kind of billed as the fifteenth anniversary of Once. They mm-hmm. hadn't played together in over ten years. So it was this very special coming together of these two great musicians who already have their own solo um, discographies to come back together. Um, they played songs from once, obviously. Are, are they together still? No, no, no. no not anymore. Uh, I think they were a long time ago. One other question. Aaron, just in terms of the history of once and these two artists, um, as it relates to the two of you, did Aaron also like fall in love? Aaron with this loved before, that movie you guys and also met. Is really into Glenn Hansard more than I. Interesting. Am. Yeah. So it, it was just perfect, and it was on St. Patrick's Day in New York. It, something. It just felt so perfect. Yeah. Um, like I said, they were st- they were playing music from the movie once, which again is incredible. Like if you know these songs, if you want me, so when I your mind's made up, these yeah, falling that's, slowly, that's lies, slowly. gold. I mean, all these songs are so baked into me, and I had never heard them live because they didn't play together right um they also played from each other's individual solo albums they were doing traditional irish songs like glenn came out and started the show singing an acapella version of the rocky road to dublin and it was just it was haunting and Hmm. beautiful and again so special and they closed the show oh my god this was this was the best they closed the show um playing a cover of this irish song called the old triangle like a traditional which is kind of i don't know how traditional it is but it's like this it's almost like a drinking song where people kind of sing a chorus and then go back and forth and and like trade verses so glenn would sing a verse and then everyone would sing the chorus and then a guitar player would walk out and sing a verse was he teaching the audience or was the audience full of the audience of irish Irish people heritage Uh, yeah (laughs) and i and i quickly learned it um Uh and then people in in the audience would stand up and sing like a verse that their grandmother taught. Like, it, I don't know. It, something about it was so special. Yeah. There was, it was so magical. It was this sort of, sort of Irish act on St. Patrick's Day together with an entire audience of what felt like Irish people singing these Irish songs on top of, obviously, the one stuff, yeah. uh, which, again, is inherently Irish because Glenn wrote it or with Marquetta, but... Oh, man. It was just an unbelievable show and just felt so magical and special. I'll never forget that show. It's funny. I found out later that Tom was also at that show. Amazing. We didn't know. And he, he, he talked to me afterwards. And he's like, that is going to be a hard show to beat. And yeah. I was like, you're absolutely right. I kind of immediately knew this was going to be on my list because it, it just felt so unique and so special. Yeah. Not just because it had been so long since they played together, 
but also just for the day that it was and how they how they did the show and going back and forth yeah, and, and who you experienced it with absolutely so my number four top show of 2022 was seeing churches uh, at brooklyn mirage I'm so glad you came to this show <laughs> because you weren't a huge churches fan before, right? No. Uh, six or seven years ago, you sent me the song, what is it? Uh, Never Ending Never Circles, Ending Circles yeah. which I definitely um, fell in love with a few uh, hours ago, but not enough clearly to check out the rest of their discography. And then in 2021, uh, they came out with the album Screen Violence and that their best record. Uh, spoiler alert that is one of my top uh, <laughs> right. albums from 2021 um which we might discuss just very briefly when we get to our albums episode but anyway uh because this was the f- their first tour probably since that album came out right. they played a lot of songs from that record anyway i knew it was going to be heavily may- maybe that inspired by that album I-, I i loved it i was very excited to go to this show uh, i had only been to brooklyn mirage once earlier uh this year and that was to see disclosure for my friend mikey's uh birthday and, and i had only been to see porter robinson another electronic artist but go. i saw them at avant gardener which is tied to it but is more of the inside indoor yeah. so i'd never been to the outdoor brooklyn mirage where Got we it. saw churches which was cool i really love outdoor venues i'm learning like I, I i very briefly mentioned seeing dr dog at at pier 17 um they're actually. I know you. You feel differently when you go to like festivals outside. You hate the sound. I've noticed that a lot of shows that I see that aren't festivals necessarily, but that are outside, actually have really good. That's acoustics. It would make we sense. We saw uh, Bon Iver at um, Red Rocks. Oh, I was, mean, maybe that's just Red Rocks, but amazing. there is a lot of good sound for um, outdoor venues. Anyway. Um, I saw Disclosure earlier. That's not even an honorable mention, but it was <laughs> it was an interesting uh, experience. And they have this massive uh, screen that kind of bends into where the stage is. So for these like DJ sets, you see these crazy visuals. Anyway, we were much closer for churches, and they used kind of just the screen backdrop behind them. But anyway, it was so all encompassing. Yeah, uh, their sound was just massive. Yeah. And well, they also have a full band. They're kind of a synth pop trio, but they had a full band with them, which really gave power. Well, so to that a lot was these yeah. Songs. I, w- I was going to mention that they they felt so full and so live for being a more electro pop kind of band. Because yes, they had a drummer. Uh, the two guys in the in the group, uh, two instrumentalists on sort of either side. So they had three instrumentalists, and then Lauren Mayberry, um, great front woman. She sounded amazing. Uh, we had both heard, maybe I heard through you, that she could be kind of iffy live. Yeah, did you see her? I had seen her before, okay. and I was like, Ugh. I just she just did not translate live to me. And both when I saw her live and had seen live videos, I was like, there's just I she just I don't know. She just didn't have either the vocal chops or the confidence to pull off these songs live completely blown away totally. by her performance yeah at no this i mean show. So listen, she sometimes it's good to go so in with much with low expectations so, <laughs> but she sounded it was not the case at all she sounded it was so such good. a pleasant surprise yeah um and i had also seen the band magdalena bay this mm. year 
a similar type of uh, band, kind of electro pop or whatever. But the tracks that they played to Magdalena Bay definitely felt primary. Like that was the main thing that they were kind of working off of. There was a drummer, there was one instrumentalist, but just comparatively a very similar type of band. This felt like a much grander, Mm -hmm. more live, fuller experience. Um, And again, I haven't seen too many similar bands or shows like this. So there was something very exciting about that because I was, we were both so immersed in the sound. We were up close. I don't remember there being any audience distractions, which can sometimes Whoa. make a concert, you know, I didn't think about fall that, but down the list. Totally. But, um, yeah, I think great set list. Again, I, I only really know their most recent record very well, but have you, you have not gone back yet to the other. Uh, so I listened to whichever album uh, Clearest Blue is on. Yeah. I listened to that, I think literally the day of that. And and I listened to it more and and sort of got into that record. But they've got a great discography. They only have four records right now because they're a newer band. Yeah. I think they're about to uh, celebrate their 10th anniversary of their debut album this year, actually. Wow. Um, Yeah. I I don't know. Not much else to say. It was just, I just have this memory of like the lights and the sound and just being so engrossed in this concert. Jumping up and down during the climax of Clearest Blue. Oh my God. How not to drown? Oh, shit. Oh my God. Robert Smith of The Cure. Yeah. He wasn't at the show. I was kind of wishing. I was, Me I was, too. I was hoping Me he would too. show up or Me something. Too. But. No, that's a great record. And yeah. I think we'll be talking about it later. All right. So my number four concert that I was worried I put too low, but Adam didn't even put on his list at all. We finally saw a living Beatle. Uh, number four was seeing Paul McCartney at the MetLife Stadium uh, in New Jersey. For the longest time, I mean, it's it's hard to overstate how important the Beatles are to both Adam and I. This podcast began. Began because of the Beatles. You could say, yeah. I mean, I think we have mentioned before that, yeah. I don't know how many years ago this This was a long time ago. Almost 10 years, maybe nine years ago. Before we had a podcast, we would essentially- I was still in college. <laughs> yeah. We would go, they have like 14 full records, yeah. I think. And we'd go album by album, song by song, kind of listing our favorites and top fives. And that was the generation of this podcast in a way. Um, like I said, we're not going to get into the Beatles right now. But just know that it did not make sense that we had not seen Paul McCartney yet. It did not make sense how every time he toured, we just didn't go. Yeah. I think, and we, I talked about this in the last concert podcast when we talked about Radiohead. I'm always scared of going to big, epic venues like like um stadiums because it's so you're so distant it's not intimate i'm i'm worried it'll be so expensive and i'm not gonna have good sound and i'll be watching the screen the whole time yeah so i think that's what had prevented us from just biting the bullet and seeing paul mccartney but this was the year we were like we are oh, seeing him as the years go by i mean he had he, this was days before his 80th, 80th birthday right so right? we just talked about bruce hitting 70 paul is 80 now yeah we're getting into the octogenarian twilight years <laughs> um Anyway, we had actually pre-gamed the Paul McCartney show 10 days earlier by seeing Ringo, yes. which is already amazing. Yes. Again, another living Beatle, lest we forget. We saw, yeah, we saw the, the remaining Beatles the remaining in Beatles one year. In, Very in proud like of us. a week or something like that. <laughs> Literally in a week. Yeah. Anyway, I'm not sure why it's not on your list, 
but I can guess we were not close. It was f- it was a little bit of what I just talked exactly. about being that, worried. I think that is exactly it. Distance. We were too the far. The ability that we had to kind of look at the and screen. I tried so hard not to. A ton of money. Yeah. And we were still so far away. Yeah. But this man who we just discussed is 80 years old. This is like Springsteen levels of concert. He played like three hours long, 40 songs. I actually don't, I did not remember. 40 songs. The amount of songs. And obviously he played solo stuff and wings stuff, but we were there for the Beatles stuff, let's be honest. Even though I will say, I got into uh, the song, uh, what's it called? For some reason, I don't remember the name, but someone's knocking at my door. Somebody ringing the bell. Something yeah. about bell. I don't know. Anyway, not. I think it's called like knocking on my door. Anyway, like there were things that I hadn't actually known yeah. that I discovered, which I always love from a for, concert. For people who love the Beatles so much, we have barely scratched the surface of any of their solo discographies yes. or side projects like Wings and, and only, uh, Ono Band. Only two weeks ago, I listened to All Things Must Pass by right. George, Harrison, George Harrison, which is a great album. I'm very excited to do that for other other Beatles. So anyway, despite us being too far away, and yes, the screens were hard not to watch, we were seeing Paul McCartney, and he sounded amazing. He really like, did. He, and he's the, for people who for whatever reason don't know, he's the bass player of the Beatles, and right. he was primarily on bass, but he would he would play other instruments yeah, too. To piano. Um, and he did get some guitar as well. Ukulele. Right. And yeah, ukulele. Um, I just want to list off like some of the songs he played. Yeah. Like Obviously, he played some of the early stuff, like Love Me Do, Can't Buy Me Love, I've Just Seen a Face. But he played Gotta Get You Into My Life, Getting yep. Better, Lady Madonna, something. And then he did like the whole medley at the end of Abbey Road. Not the whole medley, but part of the medley. Yes. Um, oh, my God. You Never Give Me Your Money was like one of the best things I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but then he would play songs like Oblad D. And I'm like, I cannot believe he's wasting one <laughs> of know, these songs on Oblad D, Oblad Da. That's like da. $25. Um, and so a lot of the Wings songs I didn't like. Um, but my God, again, just seeing him live. It was hard not to be an automatic on my top five list. It was yeah. just so special. I was getting emotional at times. Like this, I've listened to the Beatles so much over the years. Um, no, and this was, it's like somehow, I think the very last song he played was Hey Jude. Somehow, no? Was it? No, uh, uh, no he did the end. He basically, well, okay, so before the, maybe he did Hey Jude and then the encore happened. Okay. And that's when he did, um, Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm just remember he did the pyrotechnics uh, of uh, live, live and let die. That was actually almost incredible. Died. But do you remember he did? I've got a feeling with John Lennon, oh, like fuck. singing with him. I did forget, and, and that, that was like one of my unbelievable. Yeah. That was started the encore. I forgot, that. and then he did birthday helter skelter oh, great yeah, songs from the white album and then he closed with golden slumbers carry that weight in the end. Oh my god! You also didn't mention. I, I was about to. Okay, that. Bruce Springsteen showed up. Is that not what you were going to say? That's not what I was going to say. Bruce Springsteen showed up at the show, New Jersey's own. I forgot about that too. Oh my God. And they played Glory Days, which is admittedly not my favorite song at all. And then I Want to Be Your Man, which is such a weird song pick. That's a, is that a Ringo song? Uh, Yes, it's I think a it is. song on on with the Beatles at the yeah, end. I mean, I Grant, I'm sure Paul and John wrote it. But. So weird. Um, but I was going to bring up Blackbird. Oh my god! You didn't even yes. mention Blackbird. That was so. That was him and just a guitar. It was gorgeous up on this platform, and, and, it's and like, that's like a hard guitar song to play. And oh, he totally! Is like his eighty-year-old fingers could play that thing beautifully. Just thinking about fifty years ago, or however many years ago it actually yeah, more fifty-four more. Yeah. Uh, you know, on the White Album, just him recording it, and then this we many years saw later, we saw him Paul play Paul McCartney. It. No, it's I know. Like, it's mind blowing. 
And again, there were some odd song choices. He played for the benefit of uh, being for the benefit of yes, Mr. Kite, yes. and I was like, I'm, I'm, I don't love that song, no, but I'm impressed that he played it, though. Dear, please? I know there was. I mean, we could spend an hour talking about all the songs he didn't play, but he played amazingly. Like I said, he played. This man played three hours. It was a celebration. John Bon Jovi came out to give him. Uh, happy birthday balloons it and was then like walked a, off yeah, it was <laughs> so like a random. new jersey celebration yeah. um but what i was gonna say about hey jude is that like i didn't even think that these beatles songs could be elevated by seeing them live for oh. me hey jude is like i guess you're saying it was the closer of maybe his main set and I'm, then he, whatever it was it was definitely i think the last or penultimate song and I think every I don't I don't think I've listened to the song since then. I don't know how often I go back to that song, but that That's song, song to me is like I go back to. I think I will forever remember that live wow. moment because it was it's so perfect for a stadium mm. full of people to sing na 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 oh, na na totally, and it's so epic. It's that outro. It's it was, yeah, it was obviously extremely special, and we will always remember that. Um, I just wish I had a thousand dollars to spare. Or we wish we were like our friend Tom, who just somehow got onto the floor w- without paying us. Without, much as <laughs> I can't. I can't. That also probably tainted the show a little bit to me. <laughs> At the end, he was like, "Oh yeah, I got up right to the stage." I just like, well, "Oh, I actually forgot that he was able he, to go all the way." He oh, got fuck, up. I know. Fuck you, Tom. I know, I know Tom. <laughs> fucking asshole. But still, I'll never forget that show. And no matter what happens to Paul, I hope he lives another forty years. But yeah. we got to see him, and we got to see a great show. Yeah. And we saw Ringo too, and that was cool. Yep. Okay, right back to MetLife Stadium. Uh, my number three concert of 2022 was seeing Red Hot Chili Peppers with The Strokes opening up for them, with Thundercat opening up for The Strokes. So again, this was very much the cherry on top, I would say, seeing Thundercat. We did get there early enough to see him. He was awesome. He I, was. I don't really know him that well. I'm, I'm assuming I. very clearly there's a connection between him because he's this crazy jazzy bass player and Flea, yeah. just as these two like bass, I don't know. Gods. Gods, exactly. Uh, very skittery, jazzy. It was very fun. Not going to linger on him too much. It was very impressive though. Like We didn't know a single song and we yeah. were just kind of like, wow, Definitely. this is happening yeah. right now. And not many people were there. It, it felt like for a stage show we were like kind of i mean one, i'm, one I'm of the glad, only i'm proud that they brought him yeah. but yeah it was it was a little odd pairing and also that being said i would have much i would i think the strokes played maybe like 11 songs i would have liked to see the, two of them. Yeah. the strokes play like a longer set and not have thundercat but still to see these three it was very exciting um then let's go to the strokes i have never seen the strokes nor did i i for the longest time, only knew their debut album. Only a few years ago, actually, I think in 2020, I got into Room on Fire, their second album. Outside of that, I still don't know a full album. And I am in a New York indie rock band. It's the most disgraceful. Like, I know. Um, so this was like a must. You know, um, I saw them. I didn't really know what I was going to get into, but they sounded so so good. Yeah. Julian Casablancas's voice was perfect both his like crooning and when he needed to scream oh, yeah. he just sounded like so on point they sounded kick-ass they didn't 
they didn't seem like guys who are quote unquote 20 years past their peak. Like yeah. they really felt like an important rock band at that moment. Very much. Uh, Julian is, is the lead vocalist and I don't believe he plays an instrument. Um, they have two guitarists in their band and there was something about actually seeing mm-hmm. these two guitarists the interplay. at work. Yes. It was just these, it, uh, watching Albert is like so cool. Albert and Nick, is that the other Nikolai. guy? He's the other guitarist. I think so. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, just to see them sort of do their thing and see how important each of them is to the sound. Um, yeah, uh, take it or leave it. Hearing like mm-hmm. Julian, take it or leave it. Or ta- it was, oh man, and Hard to Explain is one of my favorite songs of theirs. And I actually, this is probably blasphemous to almost everybody who listens to this. I think their last record, The New Abnormal, might be their best record. I think it's amazing mm. and it's so tight and the songs are so great and they played a handful the Definitely. adults are talking yeah. it's like such a perfect song and to hear them play a bunch of the new stuff not just kind of cater to the nostalgic definitely no, it was fans. for like 11 songs it was a good set list yeah it was i wish it was again, they played a handful from longer. first impressions too i mean they, they, they played from almost every album I don't yeah think they played come down machine i mean yeah. they played one song um and then the main attraction, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. This was your Finally. first time seeing oh, them ever. My God, I saw them at the Meadows Festival. I think also in 2018. Um, but that was with Josh Klinghoffer on guitar. I never, never he's thought not he's not dead. He's, uh, <laughs> he I believe, playing in the background in Pearl Jam. That's and right. He's he's gonna be okay. But yeah, yeah very sort of weird, sad story of it was just like, oh, John wants to be back. Bye. Yeah. Um, exactly. But I never thought I was gonna see, gonna see John Frusciante live. Never. This was like a Tony Thaxton yeah. thing. Yeah, neither did I. Um, and he came back. Uh, this was my most anticipated concert of the year. I don't know if it was yours as well. It was because it was another one. We spent a lot of money on this yes. to get good seats. We we did have good seats. We did we have good close. seats. Um, because it was this trio of bands that I was excited to see. Also, uh. With John Frusciante back in the band, Red Hot Chili Peppers released two new albums this year. Two big albums. Long albums. Two, like, way too double long. albums. Each, we like, can 17 songs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and also, I think because of their first of these two albums coming out earlier this year, I got way back into By The Way. Like, I had a renaissance with that album. That is their one of my record. favorite albums ever. Yeah. Truly. Like, I fell back in love with them with that album. Uh, so I was just so excited. I was by so the way, paranoid of getting like COVID again. Oh I was like God. so paranoid that something was going to mess you this up. The show. Yeah. But thankfully I didn't. What were you going to say? I was just going to say that by the way is the most Frusciante led album. Yes. Too. Like musically speaking, 100%. writing wise, he's the biggest creative force. So to have him back in the band may not have yielded the same results as by the way, but still to have him up on stage with these guys, I mean, there were so many moments of that show where it was just so obvious that these guys love playing together. Yeah. They just like love being on stage yes, together. They're just jamming. They're just jamming. I, like there, I wouldn't. There are videos of like Flea and Chad from like the eighties just like jamming out. And it I was love those they, they're doing the same thing. I I would not call them a jam band, but almost every song, it felt like instead of just waiting between songs, they would just keep playing. Yeah. And you would see Flea look over at John and look at over, and Anthony like gazing over at John and like and them looking back at Chad and everyone's like excited for what each other is playing. They just seem so happy to be totally. playing. These I mean, guys I love music. These two new albums that they recorded came out of jam sessions. So they're right. just like John's back in the band and I think they're still just having fun yeah. again. I, um, I heard this amazing interview um, with John, or maybe it was with Anthony, where he was talking about that when John rejoined the band, he wanted to play 
the really old, obscure, shitty chili pepper stuff, like <laughs> Mommy Where's Daddy, and like this horrible stuff in the first album because he wanted to he wanted to rediscover why he, why he fell in love with the band because yeah. he wasn't the original guitarist. And just hearing about that, I, I, I tend to think that people see John Frusciante as almost like better than the band. Yeah. Because he's such an amazing guitarist. And guitarist could, and, and, and clearly like and musician and songwriter. Totally. But I think people forget that the Red Hot Chili Peppers were his favorite band that he joined because he loved them so much. Yeah. He's not above them. He idolizes this band. And he basically was like, this is the only band I ever want to be in. Like, yeah. So he loves them so much. And it's so obvious to see the love on stage. It just like warms my heart. We haven't even talked about the music. I mean, like they played an unbelievable array of their hits. So many ones I loved. The new songs I thought sounded great mm-hmm. too. And even if the albums are not perfect by any means, they still have generated a lot of good music. So these guys seem in tip top shape. It's very exciting. That's 39 years later, I they know. still have it. I know. Not songwriting wise (laughs) but uh performing on stage i mean they are legends it is very hard these days to see legends like that that a lot of people will know every person's name like you don't have that these days you mean every band member every band member yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like maybe you two yeah who are still performing is what Mm -hmm. i mean like there's every time you see them there's something that still feels like I don't know how else to say it except that they are just like these musical legends. Well, that, still... they're, they're now in their fifth decade. So yeah. to your point about like you too, like how many bands have lasted this long and who still are putting, I don't know, who feel, they feel more, maybe it's just because we're, we grew up in the, you know, the nineties, right. but who feel more relevant than let's say these bands from the seventies who exactly. are just playing the greatest hits just forever exactly. and ever and ever. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was so special to, to be so close and to see these guys that I've idolized for so long. Yeah. Um, so many, I'm not even going to be able to hit all the songs, but so many moments I would, I think I grabbed you and I was like, I can't believe we're seeing this. They like, brought out soul to squeeze, which I don't oh, know the last yeah. time they played that as a band, uh, hearing Charlie from stadium Arcadian was so exciting. Oh, the best on stadium. The only ones they played from, by the way, were can't stop. And by the way, I think literally as like the bookends, but still, I mean, those are fantastic Killer. songs yeah, to yeah, be yeah. able to hear like John singing backgrounds anyway. And to share this with you, honestly, was totally. just like so exciting. All right, next we're going to skip to our collective number two favorite show of 2022, and that was seeing Madison Cunningham uh, this October at the Brooklyn Bowl of Nashville. So in lieu of a bachelor party, Adam mentioned earlier that uh, Aaron and I got married this year. In lieu of a bachelor party, I decided I wanted to go on this mini road trip with Adam. Isn't that sweet? Um, it was amazing. And we got to drive around Tennessee, Alabama, did a lot of hiking, went to the Smoky Mountains. Our first stop was Nashville. And even though we probably should have seen a local act or a more famous <laughs> we venue. Tried. We did try. We did try. Um, we ended up at a Brooklyn Bowl. I know. But that's because the night we landed in Nashville, Madison Cunningham uh, was playing. And Madison Cunningham is an artist. I just need to give a huge thanks to all the people who brought me here to this point. Yep. It's like my acceptance speech. <laughs> I need to give thanks to uh, Aton, Alex, Terry, 
these are all people who have terry terry was like really texted me once and she was like I feel like you'd you'd fall in love. Oh, with that's that amazing! Kind of I didn't know that. But most importantly, and most especially, I need to thank Jillian, yeah. who has always been pushing. Not just like, hey, you listen to this. She had said, I'm going to paraphrase. She had said to me once, Josh, I feel like you would be the world's biggest Madison Cunningham fan if you actually gave her the time. Yeah, which is something we tell people all the time with the bands that we love that nobody <laughs> listens to. Right. So well, thank you for being someone to listen to someone else. So that, you know, says yes. That. So finally, I think I'm trying to think what did it. Because again, I'd, we'd heard songs in the past, but nothing totally stuck. I never listened to a full album. Also, I, the so, the songs that I'd heard in the past, only two. One is like just her in piano. The yeah, other is like sparse. just her in an acoustic guitar. Right. And I had no idea what her actual what she was capable of. sound was. So I think it was a combination of hearing the two singles that came out for the new album. But most importantly, I watched the Tiny Desk concert. Everyone should go watch this. NPR puts out these shows on YouTube. Madison Cunningham. It blew me away. I bought the record. We will talk about this record later, yep. I believe. Uh, unbelievable album. And I just fell in love with her. And I kind of said to Adam, we didn't have a plan yet. And I was kind of like, I know you don't really know her. And don't know, only know a couple songs, but we are going to this concert. Yeah, well, it was, it was like, check out this song. Check out this album. And let me know. Right. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, this is the serendipity was was too too good to pass up. Like I said, I was kind of annoyed that I was in Nashville and I was at a freaking Brooklyn Bowl. <laughs> and there's literally people bowling next to us. Yeah. Thankfully they stopped by the time Madison played. <laughs> but I mean this show is our number two of the year. Yeah. I mean it was very close to being number one. It was it, I had the same sort of walking away as I the I'll station. talk about the weather station uh, in a second, but it was the same exact type of feeling. Like that was one of the best live shows I've ever experienced. I think we both said to each other at one point, like, where has she been all our life? And she had been right there. We just never yeah. really paid attention. Right. But like, what an unbelievable show! Like the mastery, the effortlessness of her guitar playing, especially. There's something about. We haven't even really talked about her genre. I mean, she kind of genre hops between like, I don't know, like her folk and folk rock, but into like almost mathy prog rock yes, at times. Exactly. It's a good question. I don't really know what you would it's call her. It's hard to define her because she kind of genre hops, yeah. but it makes it feel so effortless. Her guitar playing, just watching her fingers on the fretboard it's like second nature. They're like part of the guitar. It's, I, I, it's hard were, to explain. There were multiple times where it sounded like two guitarists were playing, but she was the only guitarist on stage. And again, I was mentioning OK Kaya and the show I saw in 2020. <laughs> this is the opposite. She is one of those uh, artists, one of those musicians. You never need that to worry about. You don't you need to worry about her at all. Be, yeah. She's just got, she she has mastered her instrument. She her voice, the dynamic just range say, and control of her this control, woman's voice. Her oh precision my God. Oh my God. is is insane. Uh, the fact that she can also so gently sing these beautiful and intimate songs. Yeah. There was, you know, she played Life According to Rachel, and you could hear a pin drop. Yes, thank you, audience, and, who were not the best throughout uh, that show, no, but they shut up for that for one. that song. <laughs> and then she could rock the fuck yeah. out, like those this band, like we we're talking about Madison, her band, just like the Weather Station, unbelievable band. Yeah, they were so tight and so locked in, and just like similarly to the Chili Peppers, I feel like they were always watching each other and excited by yeah. each other's performances. She has a great group of musicians behind her. Yeah, the, like one of her 
less amazing songs all say uh, your hate could power a train from her record blew me away live as soon as the bridge I hits know. and like her background singers like soar vocally it just like it definitely elevated a bunch of these songs to me um and she was so genuinely excited oh which I, humbled, lo- I love seeing always yes the response seeing she's not a very popular artist did she mention that that was like the biggest show she had I ever think played she did was that close to the beginning of her tour odd. i'm not sure i don't know but uh she really was just also she seems like a like a genuinely good person yeah uh, appreciative um, musician. Um, she was blown away by by the audience, yeah. like being there and being so receptive to the music and freaking out yeah. and singing along. And people like, very much were. You know, I mentioned maybe there were people, of course, always next to us who were talking too much <laughs> or whatever. But but people loved it. People were very there for her and and supportive of her. Like I said earlier, it's like where has she been all my life? Like I will not miss a Madison Cunningham no, show with forever. You. She is my favorite discovery. Yeah. Again, I, I had known a couple songs of hers, but I really feel like I discovered her in 2022. I mean, the record is so good, and the songs either were just as good or way or better. Like yeah. we said, even the songs that were not my favorite on the album exploded live. The other songs that she played from her other discography, also great. Yep. I bought all I bought out the rest of her records at that <laughs> show that I didn't have at the point at the moment. Oh man, it just feels like this, even though she's been around for a bit. This is like the start of Definitely. what I feel is going to be a very beautiful relationship over, <laughs> yes. the, over the next uh, few decades of her. I mean, she's she's young and she's... I, I think at one point I said, can you imagine being in this band and her bringing these songs to you? Like, I know. Like, these songs are insane. Right, it's like, and, do and, they know that this is a masterpiece? Do they know, like... Oh my god, and I'm and I'm sure they are elevating these songs as yeah. well. But but, man, they're given a lot to work with. Yeah. Uh, it, it was just unforgettable show, and and she's an unforgettable artist. Yeah, and I want to briefly shout out my friend Mandy, who lives in Nashville, right. who was able to join us on this. But also, I want to shout that out because there are so many people that I can say, check this song out, check this band. Out. I mean, you were literally just saying that about Jillian. Was like, you need to check this out, and you actually did. I said to Mandy, we're seeing this show here's this album. I really fell in love with it this year. Check it out. And she had told me after the show, she's like, I legitimately listened and was like, yeah, this is very good. And kept listening, just like Amazing. seeing this show coming up. And, 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 and to me, that says a lot. Cause again, I am someone who someone can send music to and just be like, I'll get to it, yeah. you know, down the line. But, but she is good enough to, to, I don't know, catch your ear. So, yeah. so, so check and she out. came and loved the show as well. Yeah. So, all right, next we're going to skip to my number one concert of 2022, and that was seeing Rage Against the Machine in August at Madison Square Garden. I never, ever thought I would see Rage Against the Machine live. Yeah. I basically got into them after they'd already broken up in the early 2000s. So in a way, they were this like mythical band that I was so in love with that always just existed in recorded form. Like I just didn't, yep. was not going to see them live. They did have like an, I think back in 2007, they they played a few shows, maybe at Coachella or something, but I wasn't going to go to that. Oh, okay. Um, I just need to quickly state how important this band is for me. Yeah. This band really introduced me to heavier music, metal music, hip hop, 
political music, political thought. Like so much came out of my love of Rage Against the Machine. They were so hugely important in my in the history of my musical life and kind of development into exploring other genres and my my journey and my my guitar playing everything. <laughs> they're, they're just so important. I, I can't believe I got to see them. I mean, I got these tickets February 2020, right? So it kept being delayed. Yep. And this is 20 years after they had broken up. Same venue? Same venue. It, just got, it was at Madison Square Garden, which again yeah. is one of those bigger yeah. venues. Um, I mean, Rage Against the Machine, what can you say? We need them now more than ever. Yeah. Um, obviously, because of our current political climate. Um, they don't have new music, though. So in some ways, you're kind of going with like, okay, this is all old music this old catalog, but it all resonated more than it ever had, both because of where we are today and also me being more adult and understanding a lot of this stuff better. I was so excited for the show, but I was afraid of a two, th- of two things. One, that they would be like too preachy, yeah. that it would like turn me, even though the politics is baked into every word of their music. Like this, they are a political band. Yeah. Um, you say they, um, are Zach and Tom like the main no, front it's all four, men? It's all four of them. M- more Zach, in terms Tom, of like Brad when and... they're like talking to you like during the show. It's only Zach talking. No okay. one else speaks. Okay. Um, I was worried about that. And luckily they didn't do that at all. They let, they barely spoke at all. They let the music do the talking. They had nice. some amazing visuals in the back. And number two, this was a big news story, but like two shows yeah. into this tour, Zach Delaroca tore his Achilles or something and was unable to stand. So he was sitting down. Okay, this is rage against the machine. How do you rage sitting down? Yeah. I was so scared. I'm like, this is going to be so dumb. Like, he's going to be sitting. Oh, my God. It was amazing. It did not matter at all because he was raging the fuck out in his little seat. <laughs> he was like sitting on an amp or like a, a monitor. Uh-huh. I mean, it. in some ways, I'd almost made his vocals better because he was just... Every word was so much more intense, and he was able to just with with such precision yell every word, scream everything, and and it was so intense watching him it, it, that I forgot that he was sitting. It didn't matter. Had you known that that had happened before you were seeing yes, him? Okay. Yes, yes. And I was like, "This is I I can't believe I know I'm after all this time sitting after after all these uh, but it reschedulings didn't, it didn't, exactly. But it didn't matter because the band sounded unbelievable i'd never seen them live and same exact so, lineup same exact lineup the four of them i was on the verge of tears yeah. the entire show like honestly more so than paul mccartney yeah. because every single guitar riff is like etched into my soul well i also feel like it, they probably tap into i don't know your teenage years totally. more than like the beatles and like very much That's, like you growing true. up and me learning guitar like yeah. i said I actually did start crying when I heard Tom Morello play his first guitar solo mm. because he is such, I think, an unsung, unsung genius. Yeah. Because he is complete, like his guitar solos are like anti-guitar solos. Yeah. He does so much with so little. Yeah. And oh, he's such a he's such a unique, so sound. unique. And I mean, I don't so know how inventive. unsung he is. There's like in one of the guitar heroes okay. there's like a whole thing where you can like battle tom morello <laughs> i feel like he maybe okay i feel like he's one of the, one of the best i mean him tim comerford brad wilk zach Lorca, the four of them together are like this unbelievable unit i screamed along to every word of this show yeah i lost part of my voice i'm so glad to have lost it there i like i will never forget that show every song 
was so good and so powerful and so loud. And again, I've talked before about how sometimes I need these very intense, mm-hmm. cathartic shows. And after the last few years that we've had, I mean, this was this was like the pinnacle for me of live music was seeing this band that I'd never seen, never thought I was going to see, was so hugely important to me, was becoming more important to me politically than they ever had. It was just, it was my favorite show. It was my favorite show of 2022. Yeah. All right. And finally, we're going to talk about Josh's number three favorite show from 2022. My number one, seeing Weather Station at the Music Hall of Williamsburg. So the Weather Station is a band that actually our cousin Alex introduced me to. I don't know if you know that. I didn't. And we saw them like this tiny little show at Babies All Right. You and Alex. Years ago. Alex and I years ago. And it was great. And then I saw her a few other times since then for another album. And well, that's then, the thing. It, sorry. Is the Weather Station a band or is it's it It's a band, but it's, it's primarily um, fronted by Tamara or Tamara Lindemann. Um, then she released what is one of my favorite records of 2021 uh, ignorance yeah and it is by far her most masterful work we'll talk about it a bit later yep um this show was essentially for that album and oh my god yeah i mean i want to just start by you know the musical appetizer we got which was sam amidon uh, I don't know how much you remember from him, but just, I mean, again, looking at it as a full concert experience, mm-hmm. um, this guy is such a such a skilled musician, uh, guitar, violin. He played a bunch of these really nice folk songs. Um, it was just a great, again, there was something about, we were very close um, and a great audience. You know, we had um, <laughs> a great audience we had. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, just like Bowery Ballroom, Music Hall of Williamsburg is one of those amazing intimate venues that you can really get up there and be yeah. close to the performer. So again, at least for me, you know, putting this at number one, it's it's a high honor. I just wanted to call out this guy who who was a fantastic musician mm-hmm. and very much set the stage um, for the weather station. But uh, yeah, as I said, we were very up close. Um, it was very intimate um, compared to maybe a Madison Cunningham because for me... Uh, Madison and the Weather Station, you know, they could flip flop in terms of what was my like favorite show of the year. Uh, Weather Station was much longer ago, so it was harder for me mm-hmm. maybe to tap into what it was that made me come away saying like this was the most amazing thing ever. Right. But but the, the two are comparable because of like what you said. We both walked away being like this was an unbelievable show, and also the band, yeah. the band, the yeah. interplay, how they played off each other how every musician was doing something interesting and special. There was so much to watch and it was so impressive as like a full unit. And, yes. so ex- and these are younger bands. Yeah. And to see just like m- live music alive and well, this is what we were missing for 16 months right. was seeing right. this kind of music. And this show, more than many others, I felt like every song that they played elevated mm. the recorded version and the recorded versions are amazing yeah it is an amazingly produced record yeah, and they sound so good but there was something about seeing these live uh the, the like the bigger moments on record were even bigger like the from parking lot oh, parking, and it kills oh me when i like when that happens it's like oh chills it was so good and tamara 
as a front woman, again, comparing her maybe to Madison, not that they have to be compared to each other, but she was much more mysterious mm. and performative, um, crouching down, singing certain things a cappella, like closing her eyes, looking away from the audience. The band was dressed in black. She was kind of in black. It was like a black background. There was mm-hmm. something very and and the album is a uh, cover of uh, Ignorance feels very like nighttimey and there was something I don't know like again these little things that I think add to just the experience of what you're seeing, not just the music, yeah, but how speaking. it's all being presented mm-hmm. to you. Um, yeah, and and her voice was also perfect and yeah. perfectly dynamic. Uh, I don't, sometimes it's inexplicable exactly why a, a certain song or album or show just sticks out. But this one for me, I just, I'm just going on the feeling that I had walking out where I was like, this was one of the best shows I've it, ever seen. It also, unlike, let's say a Paul McCartney or Red Hot Chili Peppers, there's something, I feel like nobody, nobody knows the weather station. Yeah. Like again, I say nobody, obviously people do. I think um, now more than ever, actually, I think that album definitely good. elevated. But, but my point is, bit. is sometimes seeing smaller bands in these intimate shows, you kind of like, how do people not recognize the greatness that we're seeing? Exactly. Like, like if, we this are, was, if this was in the seventies, this band, this person would be known. It's just because we're in a world where there so are oversaturated. so many artists doing this that it's harder to get. It's a good point. I was just thinking on, on like board. in this huge city of New York city, like we're in this tiny little venue and like this amazing yeah. life changing show just happened. And like, nobody knows yeah, there's something like about, people. there's something about watching a show that you're kind of like, Everyone I know who loves music needed to be here tonight. And this is a band that I've told people to go see on tour and like they're in their cities and stuff like that. And yeah, they, and and this is me again, her and Madison. This is music that can translate, I think across like generations as well. Like it's just very mature Mm -hmm. sounding music, uh, calling back a lot to, you know, some of the best music of, of like the earlier decades. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point. And there's no reason why they shouldn't be bigger. And maybe they will be yep. in the future. Um, yeah, I, I mean, so the Weather Station actually put out another record after this one, which was all sparse piano ballads. Yeah. I think they were, she kind of touted them as kind of leftovers for that session. Yeah. There so, are a couple of those I really like. Yeah. She played a couple of them. Right, that's, that's right, she did. Um, but I am very excited for whatever comes next yeah. because she has consistently gotten better and better and better every record. And I've loved a lot of her records. So yeah. to see her just rise like this, you could, again, you could say the same thing for Madison Cunningham. Right. Um, it's been really special. Uh, it was an unbelievable show. And I, I we may agree. be talking about her backing band a little later. That's right. The band may show up later with a different artist. Maybe. All right. Let's just go through our honorable mentions. Um, Pine Grove. <laughs> I feel like I talk about them every single podcast because they are one of my, if not my favorite band. I mean, I know there's Counting Crows, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pine Grove. I saw them at Stone Pony, which I'd never been to. Well, I saw, yeah. oh, I saw Counting Crows, speaking of Counting Crows, at the uh, outdoor, the outdoor summer, summer stage. stage Stone Pony. But seeing Pine Grove in Stone Pony, honestly, it was one of the best shows I saw this year. But I talked about them on top five uh I know. well shows like before. i said before like the lone bellow i feel like every year yeah they so, just so I, I wasn't shows. gonna i wasn't gonna put them on there but it was a fantastic concert um why bonnie was this band that opened for them who live i was like eh, this is kind of okay 
but I checked out their record and also fell in love with some songs on that. So it was just exciting, you know, overall. Uh, you and I saw Elton John. Yes, at the that Prudential was the Center. top of my honorable mentions yeah, list. Yeah, this was, again, between Elton John, Paul McCartney, and we briefly mentioned seeing Ringo, which I don't want to, you know, slight that. Like, that was a great show. It was a fantastic show. Yeah. It was very, I don't think either of us knew what we were getting into in terms of his all-star band. Right. I don't think we knew what that meant, but to have, what is it, the guitar player from Toto? Yeah. Uh, what's his name from the bass player from Average White Band? Yes, the uh, uh, another, the singer songwriter for Men at Work, yes, Colin Hay. Yep, uh, and unfortunately Edgar Winter had COVID during <laughs> yeah. that time, but he was gonna be there. Um, so yeah, it's like Ringo is kind of there behind the drums sometimes, and there's another drummer, Ringo. and there's another drummer, so he's kind of there for show sometimes. Yeah, but, but we saw Ringo drumming. It's, we uh, for sure we saw Ringo amazing. drumming, and he played almost like all of his Beatles songs, which is very exciting. Yeah. I mean, for me to be able to see him uh, sing with a little help from with my friends, help my friends which is honestly what I think eight years ago, nine years ago when we were texting about uh, Sergeant Peppers, I think I put that as my number one. I think you did. I don't know if I still feel the same way, but <laughs> it is for sure the best Ringo, Ringo Beatles song. Um, so it was, it was, it was amazing. I and mean, we again, got to see we saw half the Beatles in the span of maybe nine days. And briefly, we mentioned this all-star band. What was cool about uh, that is that each of them, as opposed to us having to unfortunately suffer through all these Ringo deep cuts that oh, we didn't God, care about, <laughs> we got to spend a lot of time. He basically allowed his band to highlight their own past discography. Yes. So we got to hear these great songs from Toto. Yeah, we heard Rosanna, I believe, Network. from Toto. Yeah, that was so special. So that Work was to show. do from Minute Work. And again, we saw Paul McCartney at MetLife. We saw uh, Ringo at The Beacon. Like for, for Ringo pretty intimate yeah. it's very cool that we got to see that but quickly going back to elton john oh yeah i mean i don't think i ever thought i was gonna see him live uh strangely i did not like the movie rocket man yeah it was okay but after i saw it i was like really interested in getting into more of his music mm -hmm. and even if it meant i was just kind of learning some of his big hits for the first time um it was enough and it was very I mean, exciting this man has decades and decades of hits like again probably similar to um maybe not quite as much as paul mccartney but similar to me seeing billy joel like he played 30 songs like he played so many songs and so many great hits and again like dylan i was worried his voice wouldn't be able to hit notes he sounded great yeah his i mean piano playing was great oh that was i wanted to call that out like i don't think i appreciated even like in the movie in Rocket Man, it shows you know he has he comes from this like masterful classical background, but I don't think I appreciated him as a pianist and as mm. a musician. And I don't remember maybe it was in Rocket Man the song when he played it live that he had this like gorgeous, gorgeous just like extended piano moment. I just he as a musician it was very very cool to see. Um, yeah, again, just I want to keep seeing these legends that I are know. important before. I know. Uh, not necessarily that they, they pass or anything, well, but this but was this Ellen is John's his, farewell tour. And I think it's continuing. That. It's I one know, of those like yeah, Roger yeah. Clemens and, things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, that, that was absolutely the top of my honorable mentions list. Yeah. Did you have any others? Uh, yeah. And I'll try to make these as quick as possible. Bonnie Light Horseman, this super group that, um, sort of formed only yeah. in the last few years. On my list as well. Yeah. Uh, we saw them. That was, I think, the first show of 2022 that I saw, at least. Um, they opened up for Anais Mitchell, and she's in Bunny Light Horseman, which is kind of weird. They were better, in my opinion. They like, were. that was, I was there for them. And, and Anais Mitchell has been on our lists before yeah. for amazing live shows. Yeah. But Bonnie Light Horseman is kind of like the more exciting 
definitely group right now absolutely and she's obviously a big part of it yeah um the harmonies are uh, they just, just like they, they also sounded just immaculate yeah. um eric d johnson sounds so good live uh hearing josh uh, the instrumentalist uh, we will talk about them later in this podcast uh and we also saw them a second time open Opening. for bon Iver at forest hill stadium bon Iver always puts on an amazing show don't need to go into that um very recently in december we saw Mike Mills, oh my God. John Auer from The Posies, Pat Sansone from Wilco, Jody Stevens from Big Star, and this guy, Chris Stamey, I don't know, from the DBs or whatever. Yeah. We saw this like super group perform the band Big Star's number one record, record. Yep. Uh, for its 50th anniversary uh, at White Eagle Hall which was so special for so many reasons. I mean, this is a, an artist and a an album that we both love from the 70s that was not popular at all. This is like at a the cult, time. at the time. This is like a cult band. This is like all your band's favorite band, right? Exactly. So like Counting Crows, Roll, um, Rolling Stones, Replacements, REM. Uh, Wilco, R.E.M., all love and idolize Big Star. Yep. And it's very obvious why there's a huge influence on their sound. I mean, this this is an amazing record that everyone should listen to. It's a fantastic album. And it's, again, we never thought we'd ever see this because the band is three quarters gone. Yep. Only uh, the drummer is left. Um, but to have, oh my God, to see Mike Mills of R.E.M. I was going to say. In my I mean, hometown of Jersey City. Not hometown, but my current hometown. You have... I'm sure you have mentioned, you know, the impetus for this outside of, I mean, you and I were, would go back and forth texting about like Beatles and bare naked ladies for a little bit and whatnot. Um, and so we, we have this rapport when it comes to music, but you sat me down after getting into, are you talking you two to me? Right. And then are you talking REM, re-me, <laughs> yes. um, these podcasts by uh, Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott. Um, so I, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that podcast was one of the big reasons why Hugely you wanted to have this Absolutely. podcast. Um, anyway, so as I was saying, one of their seasons is about REM. You got heavily into REM and you told me you really need to listen to this stuff. So I, in turn, last year got heavily into rem used that podcast as my little musical sherpa and so like, for me like I, how we hope this does for you yes exactly um and so similarly yeah to see one of the members of rem uh mike mills the bass player uh hear him he is the background singer in rem yeah. hear him uh sing and and play and because rem is is disbanded it for sounds like they are now. never going to get back no. together um even though all of them are still alive and working on their various musical projects um that was just something special that i really wanted to call out uh i saw coldplay for the first time our first podcast band one of i will say one of my favorites i mean they also in my opinion have a have a bit of a rocky uh career um but I never saw them. You saw them on their Viva La Vida tour. Sure I'm did. still so jealous. <laughs> yeah. And we saw them on their uh, head, head. What's it called? <laughs> I already don't remember. Music of, Music the, of Spheres. the Spheres tour. <laughs> it was a very disappointing set list. Yes. Um, but they are very clearly masters at live shows. Yeah. Like their whole crew, just the show that they put on, um, we'll is about incredible. The, the bracelets we had. The yeah. The, the pulsing of the lights, the fact that people... By the way, we do need to shout out, I don't know if you remember this, that Coldplay announced back in 2019, we're not going to go on tour until we can make it like environmentally, environmentally sustainable. Friendly. And they tried. They We literally were standing 
on these platforms that generated electricity Three, as like we were steps. jumping and stepping yeah. on it. And they had people, the whole show, on exercise bikes generating Like, they put their money where their mouth is. Yeah. For as corny as Coldplay can be and as much, again, this is why we started our podcast with Coldplay. They can be controversial in the love them or love to hate them. But, like, they put their money where their mouth is and that does not, you know, that needs to be said yeah. in terms of uh, the touring. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to mention Coldplay. Uh, another band that has been on my list for a while, Fleet Foxes. We saw at yes, Forest Hills, which was beautiful. Uh, unfortunately, you were not able to make it to this because of your crazy work schedule. Oh. But I will say that LCD Sound System puts on a fantastic show. I can't wait for you to see them when they come back to Brooklyn Steel. Yeah, hopefully they do another um, residency. Even more recently than the Big Star tribute show, you brought me to see Balin, a band that you had talked about on our 2019 um, I'm so retrospective. Glad they made you may have talked about it on 2018. I don't remember, but that was an album that I think was very close to being on your top five for the year 2019. Um, we saw them at Union Pool, very small show, um, similar to uh, Lone Bellow. Um, it's this always three part harmony uh, group of siblings. I don't think that's like Lone Bellow, but um, just a fantastic sound, young Brooklynites. Um, fantastic musicians and already at the very the first album i listened to 2023 uh was that album i forget what it's called but i, I was to be here i was i enjoyed it and was interested enough to actually check out their music which That's is awesome. which is not a small thing uh sorry there's so many good shows i, I know. saw um ellery ward i want to call out this Whoa. uh musician who over the last couple of years has definitely arisen in the Broadway world, I'll say, because she is this singer-songwriter, beautiful voice, beautiful guitar playing, who interpolates all of these Stephen Sondheim songs from all of his musicals. Um, I think our brother-in-law, Spencer, maybe told Dad about this. And yeah. so when we were Shout home for, for uh, some, uh, I don't know, some family gathering, Dad just put on this record and we we're like, what are these beautiful renditions of and, these songs? And, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know the last time Dad put something on where we were both like, oh, <laughs> shit. Also, can I quickly say that the sound system sounds okay? Yeah. I just noticed that. <laughs> I, just, I noticed that in the, in the last few times we were home. home our, the sound system had been kind of fucked up and no one knew what was happening. Anyway, um, we saw her at Sony Hall, uh, which was basically in the heart of Broadway. I think Hamilton was like just down the right. street. Um, very fun. I mean, she sounds amazing. She brought all these different Broadway performers out. It's not often that we get to talk about musicals on this podcast. Oh, I'm so glad you brought um, that up. And and yes, I mean, Stephen Sondheim just passed right. just like a year or a two year ago. ago. Um, and to have these kind of new documents and interpretations of what could be considered the greatest Broadway yeah. musical theater I've been getting of all time. Heavily into Stephen Sondheim. We saw Company very yeah. early this year. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the very last show I want to call out. My band opened up for this band, Wonder Horse. Wonder Horse was opening for Fontaine's DC, mm. a big band that we talk about on the podcast a lot, especially Josh. <laughs> um, they are this uh, British band that, uh, yeah, I don't know. They just put on an amazing show. Like, I'm not just saying this as someone that we were able to open up for or see. They actually, they just have this amazing blend of of grunge and like early 90s Radiohead. Um, the lead singer uh, is just so dynamic. Um, they put out a great album this year as well. I just really wanted to shout out this band because 
it, it was just an exciting an exciting experience at Mercury Lounge, which is probably the oh, smallest so smallest venue that I'd seen any of these shows at. Um, so I would definitely check out the band Wonder Horse. Nice. Anyway, Josh. <laughs> so you mentioned a lot that were on my list. I mean, my number one, I think honorable mention was Elton John. Um, also, Rufus Wainwright. I mentioned 2020. Uh, I fell in love with his live streams. In 2021, I had tickets to go see him with yeah. you and Sean yeah. and then got COVID yeah. and it was heartbreaking because again, this was an artist that I had loved for a while and then like obsessively loved after 2020, couldn't even go see a show. Finally got to see the show with Sean, the Terrytown Music Hall and this was just solo Rufus, which in and of itself was so special. And this, first of all, this beautiful theater, like one of the oldest theaters left in the country wow. from like the 19th like maybe late 1800 it's crazy and to see him in this hall and his voice is just i'm like clutching my chest right now he, yeah. he, he is like his voice is is i think is one of my favorite voices mm-hmm. in music and to see him carry an entire show himself piano guitar his um, unbelievable voice this is what you were just seeing on the live streams in 2020 exactly. and now you got to see exactly. it live which is so special. right in front of me in this beautiful theater played from all of his albums and even played some of his opera stuff that he's written. It was just unbelievably special. I also had the Bonnie Light Horseman and A.S. Mitchell show. I had the Nico Case show, the yeah. Churches show. These were all great mm-hmm. shows that Adam and I saw together and Adam mentioned in his top five list. Um, I saw an amazing David Wax Museum show oh, at, you a, did. at a house show in Montclair. Oh, wow. And I was sitting in the living room, finally, after years of watching their live streams, having not seen them in years. Wait, I mean, I've, literally a house show? Oh, like, I was in a Montclair living room that's so a cool. couple months ago. And I was just like, this is this is music. This is what life is about. Like yeah. sitting here and listening to this music. We talked about Fleet Foxes. Loved that show. Uh, I got to finally see Dashboard Confessional. I'm a little oh, late right. in my emo uh, era, but it's now. And to see, again, him solo acoustic at Bowery Ballroom. This guy is much bigger than Bowery Ballroom. I don't think he's at Madison Square Garden level, but he would not play at Bowery. This was a hard show to get into. Yeah. And again, he was perfect. It was spot on. And and Dashboard shows, the audience sings every word. <laughs> so it is like this communal com- Definitely, experience. this communal experience. And he was so grateful. He had recently gotten to a motorcycle accident yeah. that he almost died in. Like wow. very, like not good. Wow. And so it was, he was like tearing up. I'm sure. Like I was that close. You could see him tearing up and yeah. crying like the whole show because he didn't think he'd be able to do this again. Yeah. And to come to this intimate show and just him and his guitar, no band behind him. And they play with a band usually now. And to have this entire venue just sing every song, every word. It was so heartwarming. It was yeah. beautiful, beautiful show. Also, finally got to see the tallest man on earth. Also with Sean, that was a long time coming. Um, that was even pre-COVID, right? Yeah, that he had yes, like that had was to postpone. again three years of postponements. Yeah. Again, yeah, th- that was 2019. I got tickets or something like that. Yeah. Amazing show, amazing performer. This guy is jumping all over the stage, playing really? incredibly. Oh, he is so. <laughs> and it's funny. You think some of his music is kind of slower, but yeah. he also has a lot of fast, peppy stuff. Great show. We talked about Ringo. I got to see Sparks, which is a band that has been around over 50 years. I mean, this is a, a legendary band that are not very popular, but but I just Edgar Wright just put out a documentary about the Sparks Brothers, which is a great documentary I recommend to everyone. That was a great show, very cool. They played again from all 50 years of their hit, of their wow. discography. They don't really have hits hits per se, but very cool show. Obviously the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Strokes were on my honorable mention list. Pavement just like oh, Rage, right. another yes. band I never thought I'd see live, yep. came back for a reunion. They're not playing new music, but holy shit, 
everything sounded so good. They played so many of my favorites that I did not think I would hear because, again, they don't have hits hits per se. So a lot of my favorite songs... I think are just you like have no idea if, album if it, tracks. I, yeah, I don't if, know if, if they like it, if they want to play it. They played it. a bunch of shows at, it was at King's Theater actually in Brooklyn. Wow. And every set list was different. And like, I wish I had seen multiple shows because they played so many. But, but so many of my absolute favorites they played and I couldn't believe it. Is We always quibble and complain about set lists, but like to have a set list where the songs you didn't even think they would play are played, you're just, yeah. and I, I went solo to that and it was still just like such a meaningful show. Um, and the last band I want to talk about, another band that I never thought I would see was Supergrass, who came back for right. a reunion show. This band has also been gone for almost 15 years. Yep. And they played a very intimate show um, at Webster Hall for them. Again, they're much bigger in, in the UK than here. I've gotten really into their band recently um, in the last few years. And just a killer, killer band, killer show. So, yeah, what an amazing, I mean, we've talked a long yes. time. Again, the fact that we were able to, even for all these honorable mentions, just list all these different experiences. There were so many good we're shows. Back, and I'm so thankful. Oh, my God. Yes, yes. Me too. Thanks for listening to Top 5 Disco, part one of our 2022 year-end retrospective series. Now that we've ranked and discussed our favorite concerts of the year, tune in next episode where we'll each rank our top five favorite songs of 2022. But before we do that, we want to know your favorite concert experiences of 2022. What shows left the biggest impressions on you? What show made you fall in love with the artist even more? Were you excited to see in 2023? Reach out and let us know. You can support us and help Top 5 Disco grow simply by subscribing to this podcast so you can get the new episodes as soon as they come out. And you can find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Top 5 Disco for an easy way to connect. Also, rating and reviewing Top 5 Disco on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen is always appreciated. And don't forget to tell your music-loving friends and family all about us. Thank you so much again for listening. Tune in next time. And remember, it's really all disco. Yeah. <laughs> Enough said. Number two for me.